It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, we continue our recap of 2022 and specifically my recollection of, of 2022 and kind of starting here with the Ukraine and my visit to the Ukraine. And if you're just joining us and didn't hear the first two installments this week, my conversation kind of revolves around, or you know, mainly re- uh, revolves around the trip that I took right after March, um, Again, I think it's the 5th or the 6th, and uh, the war started, Putin started bombing, started bombing on February 24th, and I think 4 o'clock in the morning, and the war was officially on, and the invasion had begun, and uh, I got there, I think, on the 6th of March, and immediately, people started moving out of the Ukraine, and that's what what I saw, you know, was the the mass uh, migration of people just leaving their homes, leaving their their men behind for the most part. Some families stayed, of course, but millions upon millions of women and children and elderly people took off, and they went to the neighboring countries. You knew immediately. If you were you were there witnessing it, that the the other countries were welcoming the the refugees, the Ukrainian refugees, with uh, with welcome arms, open arms, and <clears throat> they couldn't be more accepting. I didn't find anyone that was you know complaining about this uh, situation. I was driving people, I was driving people from the border, uh, you know, me and many other people were driving people from the border to these refugee centers that were, that were set up by folks, humanitarian, uh, as a humanitarian effort on the other side. And I met some, I'm still friendly with many of the people that I met over there and uh, what a, what a job they did. And you know, I think I, I mentioned in the first show on this on this recap, this 2022 uh, recap, that I, I ended up in a city called Yash. And again, it's spelt nothing like that if you're trying to Google it. But uh, Yash is a very large city in Romania. And it might be second only to, to Bucharest. And, you know, again, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Yash was a a city that had received a tremendous, you know, because of the size and I guess the resources that they have as, as a city, the the people from the border that were coming from the the closest border to uh, to the Ukrainian, the Ukrainian refugees were coming over and ending up in Yash, and in in doing so, they. Uh, uh, tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous support from the, the the community, the Romanian community. One of the first things I noticed, and and I noticed it when I went into 
Poland as well, is the government uh, immediately announced, immediately, but even before I got there, that all of the Ukrainian children would be accepted into their public schools and that they were making arrangements for this to, uh, to occur. And if you think about that, just think about us and our school system, what would the look be if we just took a neighboring uh, country and I don't know where, you know, the only place that you could think of is Mexico, and you, you could imagine what that would be like, uh, the, the uh, firestorm that would be up as far as people coming in and, and so forth. But uh, imagine just millions upon millions of people coming in immediately. By the way, people from Moldova started coming into Romania as well because they figured that they would be, they would be next or that there was a possibility that they would be next. So the announcement was made by the governments that they are going to welcome the the kids into the public school, which was was great. I mean, you wouldn't expect anything differently. But again, it's, um, you know, big of those communities, those countries to to do something like that. At this point, you got to figure it's it's been about a year and you would think that there's assimilation happening there. And, you know, I'm guessing here, I don't know that, but, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, a, a safe assumption that teachers from over in the Ukraine that were out of, out of jobs because of the, the war would end up being hired by these by these other cities and, and countries in the public school system because of the amount of children that are coming over and they speak their language, they know their curriculum and, uh, you know, it should be um, as seamless as you possibly could. Now, having said that, it's almost, uh, it's almost impossible to think that this would be seamless. You're talking about people coming over being complete strangers by the way, I'm, I'm someone who was in 13 schools in four years, and that's a whole, whole other story, but I was in 13 schools in four years, and if, you, um, if you've ever been to a new school, you know the treatment that you get from, uh, from the people that are already there. Well, think of a job, right? I mean, I've always been self-employed, but when, and, and, you know, until recently, um, you know, you get a new job and the people don't like you there. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, you know, obviously it's a, it, it, there's a tendency for bullying to, to go on. And you would imagine that would be the case. The difference here, and again, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I didn't see the school systems up close. Difference here is that um, hordes of kids, hundreds of thousands of, of um, refugees, are emigrating into the the neighboring schools, so the Ukrainian kids will not be will not be different from will not be you know completely alone. They're going in with their their friends, even classmates in some cases. So it's a little different than maybe just an individual going over and uh, and you know pissing off the cool kid or or whatever, and then getting tortured by everybody around them. So that's. Something to keep uh, keep in mind, and I imagine that the Ukrainian kids would have a tendency to to stick together. But I also 
am going to guess, I don't think this is going to be a quick process, and I don't think you'll be seeing um, Ukrainian kids going back home anytime soon. And I've got to believe, I've got to believe that uh, there are, you know, these millions of, of Ukrainian kids that are going to grow up as, as Polish kids now, uh, Romanian kids, Moldovan kids, if Mold- Moldova is, uh, is, is safe enough uh, to, to be participating in this way. I don't know what happened after the 15 days. I, you know, I checked in and I, you know, talked to, you know, different people, but certainly nothing like being there. Having said that, having said that, this war is uh, the end of the world as they knew it for these people and they're now residents of another, a whole other country. Heartbreaking as it is, it's... um, would be much worse if they were going into areas that they weren't accepted in, they weren't wanted, and, you know, that would be, you know, completely devastating, uh, even more so, more devastating than what it is now. One of the things, and you'll see if you watch the documentary uh, that I made with a a gentleman named Joe DeFelice, and it's it's not out yet, but it, it will we'll have it out. And any funds will donate to the cause. Uh, we've been sending, uh, you know, the funds when we can to different places uh, in in Romania and Poland that are accepting uh, refugees. And you know, and, and we've we've steered a lot of money that uh, that way. But a- anything that comes in, I don't know what would come in off this documentary, but. Anything that would come in is, you know, certainly going there. It's not, it's not a, a money-making opportunity. Um, it's, uh, it's more just kind of my reflections of what I saw. And as you watch it, you'll, you'll see that it is, it is a complete, um, you know, for the most part, it's all refugee-related, refugee-centric. The you know, you'll see soldiers in there and, and so forth, but the uh, <clears throat> Ukrainian, all, all the soldiers really didn't want uh, to be on film. And I'll get into, as we go into a break here, just for a couple commercials, uh, when we go into a commercial break and come out, uh, I'll explain what uh, what some of the thinking was on, on that. Not my thinking. I mean, I, you know, I would have shot um, footage of sh- soldiers all, all day long, all night long, uh, they didn't want it. And there's an interesting reason why, and, and I'll give that to you as we come back. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, uh, talking about the Ukraine and, uh, and the start of the war in 2022. As we start out our 2023 here, it's a nice time to reflect. Frank McKay signing off, but just for now, we'll be back right after this with more Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, we are talking the Ukraine and the, the tragic war that is started by uh, the Russians on February 24th, 2022. And the, the Putin's war 
as many people call it, talking about my experience over there in 15 days in total, uh, but five days in the Ukraine itself, and uh, trying to give you kind of an idea of what it was like. Uh, and I'm, you know, again, I'm being as, as just as straight as you could possibly be. And, uh, you know, letting you decide for, for yourself what, what the information is. And one of the reasons why is because so many of the, the media outlets um, had, had no interest in that. It's sensationalism, right? It's a, uh, it's a sensationalistic uh, situation. A war is, and it, it brings ratings and it brings whatever. So when I spoke to certain, out, I mean, major, major news outlets, uh, when they screened me, before they were going to put me on on TV shows, and by the way, they found me somehow or another. People found me. I didn't reach out to anybody to do r- reports. I mean, I was uh, was at one you know one station that was uh, constantly um, uh, reporting back. Uh, uh, that was at Line News Radio, and uh, and I did a lot of reporting on some of the shows there. Uh, Frank Morano's show uh, a little bit on uh, when I first got there. I think I did, uh, you know, Morano's overnight show twice, but I don't know that I've already had been in the Ukraine at the point. I'm not sure, but so two on on ABC, but then uh, just uh, you know, a whole slew of others, a uh, Hannity show, and uh, but there were there were others, and and again, I'm just I'm not gonna you know, kind of tell tales out of school, but uh, other major outlets uh, screened me, and and wanted to know what information I was planning on giving. And, you know, they had, uh, well, you know, several of them, the, the major shows had, had their own agenda. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not poking them in the eye on this. This is, you know what they're doing. They're very successful. But they were asking me loaded questions saying, well, we, we hear this. We're hearing this and we're hearing that. And it had nothing to do. And at this point, when, when I was being asked this, I had already been involved with, uh, you know, different troops, uh, you know, on, on all sides. And I was getting, you know, lots of information from the ground. And I had to say, I had to say, uh, no, I'm not hearing that. I'm not hearing that response. And again, I don't want to even get into it. You'll know who I'm talking about. If I, uh, if, you know, if I, if I give it up and I'm just, yeah, I just, not, I'm not willing to do that. But uh, they, they were kind of steering me to, to change the dialogue. And the woman who was the, you know, the producer of the show, and I guess acted as a screener, said, listen, um, we're, we're concentrating on this angle, and, you know, I, we're reluctant to put you on unless you, you kind of are hearing that. And I said, I'm just not. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not hearing that as, uh, as a theory uh, from, the, from the people here. I, I said, maybe somewhere else. Maybe you guys are hearing. By the way, where I was... And, you know, it was in a bunch of different spots but below um, Lviv and, and, and rural areas. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't anywhere near Kiev. And I would have, you know, if I, if, if I was invited into Kiev, I certainly would have, I would have jumped, uh, jumped there. I, I had no reception on uh, GPS. Um, and, you know, I said in one of the earlier shows, maybe the first show, that it was freezing. So I was, uh, when I was driving... I had to keep the window open because I, I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear if there were bombs or sirens. And and all I really heard, I, every once in a while, I would hear sirens. And 
you know, sirens, obviously, uh, air raid sirens, whatever, and I would go towards the sirens, and I was also conscious of, of lights, uh, pitch black, and, and a lot of the places that I was driving on, uh, you weren't seeing cars, you were seeing, you were, you were seeing people um, in cars, but going, all going towards the border. You weren't seeing anybody go in the direction that I'm, and I mean, when I say you don't, you're not seeing anybody going towards the direction I was in, you're not seeing anybody going in that uh, that direction. Even when I, you know, when I first started uh, talking here a couple of days ago, I mentioned that I was walking in against a sea of people that was hardly moving. It was, you know, a bunch of women and children and elderly folks that were just devastated. And I was, I was walking in alone. I had camera equipment and, you know, my, and my radio equipment. And I was walking against uh, the crowd and, and again, just every couple seconds you'd hear loud weeping, uh, loud, uh, like a, at a funeral or a, um, a wake, uh, just, it was just unbelievable and unbelievably sad. But what, you know, really, I guess the point here is that nobody was walking in with me, right? It was just me and thousands of other people coming that way. When I got on the other, other side, I, I, you know, I shared this and I shared this on the, uh, you know, on, on different shows, but, you know, I, I went behind this truck and I just gathered, you know, my composure. It took, you know, I would say 20, 25 minutes, a uh, half hour until I got to a certain point. I was looking at my, you know, like doing like a FaceTime with myself just to see what I, what I look like, but I look like a wreck. I look like somebody that was, um, you know, that had been uh, breaking down uh, because of, of what I was witnessing walking out of there. By the way, I, I, you know, a little note, I don't know if you want to call it a comical note, but it's poignant, if, uh, if nothing else. On one of the first two trips in, uh, I didn't take my car. I, didn't, I couldn't take a rental car. Uh, when I figured out how to get around and, and, you know, where the borders were and where I could cross myself, where there was no border crossing, uh, I was uh, I was able to do that, even though you're not supposed to do that. But I, I mean, uh, you can't cover any ground on foot. You know, you just can't. Um, but when I parked at the border crossing, uh, they would allow me to. You know, they didn't make me stay with the thousands of people that were there. But I did because I was talking to people on the line that wanted to talk, and I either videotaped them or taped them with my cell phone or you know some radio equipment if they had you know, very good English, I would, um, you know, I would, I would get them there. But uh, when I mentioned a, a little comic relief, uh, if you want to call it that, um, it's, it's actually more sad than it is, is funny. But at one point, it was just complete silence. And I was talking to this, um, this older woman from, from Britain. She's a Ukrainian, but she was living in Britain. And she came back to get her two grandchildren and her daughter. And out of um, you know, out of the the silence came this screaming of of a little kid, and I'd say he's about three years old, something along those lines. I have four kids; I know what a three year old um, sounds like when they when they when they're upset. And um, he, I don't know, tantrums uh, you know, the most appropriate word, but and he was uh, he was he was crying unbelievably, and the um, 
well, a, a guy I don't know you know it's it it got past me of of how this somewhat young guy was on the line with us because um, very very few I was you know I was a a, a complete outsider uh, being a man on the line but this this guy that was fairly young was online and he yelled something out to the kid and everybody laughed so I said to the woman from Great Britain, who's on her way out of, of Ukraine with her grandchildren in tow and her, her daughter with her, um, I said, what, what just happened? And she said, uh, a little boy lost, lost little car, and he's crying, and the man yelled over. He said, hey, kid, you should see the two big cars I'm leaving behind. And everybody laughed or whatever, but um, it, it, you know, kind of hit everybody um, there at the, at the same time. Like, uh, you know, hey, kid, we, <laughs> I know it's a three-year-old kid, right? but nobody on that line gave a damn about this kid's toy, and, uh, you know, the sympathy is out the window. Everybody's leaving their family behind. Everyone's doing whatever. He's a three-year-old kid, you know. He's crying over the, the toy, and you can see the mother trying to calm him down and, 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 you know, whatever. But basically what that guy was saying um, was we don't give a, you know, you know what, about your little toy. You know, we're giving up our lives here. And, and everybody laughed uh, because they were all kind of thinking the same thing. We don't care about, we don't care about the little things anymore. We just, uh, we're giving up our lives and families and houses and cars and possessions and, you know, mainly family and friends and everything else and uh, kind of summed summed up what the feeling was but it also put it in perspective and you know you could see that mother was you know she knew but you know I mean she's a three-year-old kid what are you going to say to the three-year-old kids it's your job to keep keep the kid um you know happy and she knows how traumatic it was for her and and it's going to be for these kids and whatever just a, a tiny little little you know, side note, poignant. Uh, Frank McKay here signing off just for a moment. Uh, we're going to break again. We'll be back uh, with more right after this with a kind of a three third segment on the show. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll be back with more of Breaking It Down right after this. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down and our third segment of today, talking about the Ukraine. And if you're just joining us, I was uh, mentioning mentioning a uh, little kid crying on the line to get out because he lost his, his little car. And someone had said, someone had, had made a comment, a man yelled out, you know, in, in short, uh, hey, kid, you should see the two big cars I, I'm i losing or whatever. And everybody kind of laughed, but laughed in a sense, laughed in a sense that, you know, we, we don't give it to him, right? We don't give a damn about the little things anymore about the car, you know, shut up, kid, you know, we're, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, and I, I thought it was a, I, you know, I, I thought it was like a, a like a, a pivotal moment in my mind at least putting this in in perspective also if you were listening uh, just 
in the last segment I mentioned that the, this Ukrainian woman who was living in Great Britain came to get her daughter and her grandchildren. And I have video and, and I have, uh, I, I have uh, uh, pictures, cell, uh, cell phone pictures, and she sent me. She said, this is January 14th, and she showed me the, the two grandchildren in, um, in, in a, a Christmas setting in, uh, in Great Britain. She had the Ukrainian kids there, and I think she said it was January 14th, and I guess it was still Christmas decorations uh, up, and they were, you know, playing and, and uh, you know, laughing in these, you know, this series of pictures that she had, and, you know, the kids were standing online, and uh, they were, you know, they were, they were, they were kids, but they, they also knew what was going on, the severity and the tears in their eyes, and I said to the woman, I said, um, I, I said, you had no idea that you'd be dealing with this here, uh, you know, two months later. And she said, no idea whatsoever. And she said, it's just, we got to move on. We got to, we, we got to, we, we got to handle it. And we'll, we'll get through it. But she said, no, we had absolutely no idea. By the way, I, I had mentioned I had mentioned, uh, you know, earlier people were calling it uh, Putin's. But people are still calling it Putin's war. It's it's very appropriate to call it Putin's war. The some of the Polish troops. You know, I got friendly with this this group of guys on the other side of one of the border towns, and they were they were over by this uh, train station, and they were dealing with refugees. And I was interviewing a lot of the refugees. Um, and they were they were following me, and they were also listening to my reports. And you know these these guys are younger than me. I'm 55, and I don't know how old these guys are, but they're you know you know younger. You know they're kids their age. Um, you know, yeah, actually, I probably have kids all their age, or maybe older than uh, than what they are. And they, uh, you know, so they were listening to, to the different reports and they were getting friendly. I was the only reporter, journalist, whatever you want to call it, that was anywhere near them. So I was the only one that they have met. So they're asking questions and so forth. So they're listening. They're tuning in to what's going on. So at one point, my exit plan was uh, when I was when I was done, because I mean, basically, I was just getting, you know, it's getting just refugee footage after refugee uh, very difficult and uh, and you know I started mentioning this before but I'll get into this more specifically but to get troops to talk on on tape on um, you know on uh, on film and I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit but my exit plan was to um, was to go um, leave uh, through Minsk, which is in Belarus. Now, Belarus is fully, the, the government of Belarus, the people of Belarus, are fully on board with, with Putin and Russia. And these Polish troops and the Romania, they, they, hate, um, uh, they, they hate Russia, they hate Putin, um, hate Belarus because of the sympathy there. And 
one guy said to me, and, and it was almost like a, you know, a mini intervention, uh, one guy, and he had a couple of people with him, and they were kind of nodding their heads, and they said that it, you know, would be very foolish of me to go into, into uh, Belarus to fly out, and the reason they gave is, and, and they were pointing to this, you know, these two shows that I did, uh, you know, being interviewed by someone else uh, on radio, and I don't remember what shows they were. And they, yeah, they didn't play it, but they, they said that in the show that I was asked, uh, well, how does the war end? And I, actually, maybe I'm, maybe I'm paraphrasing what they said, but in very broken English, remember? Um, so we had, you know, we, this like language barrier, but they did, these particular guys spoke very, very good English, uh, especially comparable to, you know, what I was used to, to getting over there. But um, somebody had asked me, well, how do you see this war ending? Or is there any end in sight to, to the war? And what I said, and I know I said this, you know, several times, I said the only way that I could possibly see an end to to the war is is with the death of Putin. And I said, and from what I understand, and I don't know anything with him, I don't have any contacts that, that are close to Putin or whatever, but from what I understand, he's very close circle, small circle of people around him. So the person that would would kill him would, would have to be somebody close to him and it would be, you know, have to be somebody he loves or they love or whatever you want to whatever his definition of, of being close to a, another human being is I don't know Putin but I mean I you know I, I mean I know from his actions that he's a lunatic right I mean he's he's a maniac a, um, a uh, you know and again uh, it's you know I'm, I'm not claiming journalism here you know I mean this is a, an observation I mean it's um, uh, you know commentating at this point but I mean uh, you know Vladimir Putin is un- mentally unstable right uh, clearly mentally unstable and we don't know how, and, and what capacity but we know he's unstable enough to invade another country and and um, really underestimate wh- uh, how long it would take so I said that, and, uh, you know, I still, I mean, I don't know, you know, how, how much has changed at this point, but I mean, uh, you know, in my first five days there, my, you know, whatever, as I said before, you know, I'm hearing this is the Third World War. This is World War Three, which, by the way, is, you know, you know, always talked about if there's a World War Three, it's the end of the world. I remember people saying it when I was a kid, if there's ever a Third World War, it's the end of the world. You know, I don't know that that's uh, that's true. I don't know. You know, I don't have enough military knowledge uh, to to uh, even give an intelligent um, answer on that. And I'll leave that to the experts. But when I said that the only and, and I was I, I I didn't just blurt it out. I mean, I thought about it. <laughs> I you know the only way this ends is with the death of Putin. Or I mean, obviously the Ukrainians weren't going to say just take it. It's, it's over. Let's give up. We don't want war anymore. Just just take our country. They weren't going to do that, right? So it was going to be the death of Putin. What the soldiers on the, on the Polish side that were trying to talk me out of going into Belarus, and they did. They Between them and my wife, uh, my family, uh, they told me not to go through Belarus. Uh, he said, 
we believe that you'll get arrested or that you very well could get arrested in Belarus. And I said, uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, I said, oh, you think they're listening? He said, yeah, of course they're going to listen. You're coming in as a journalist, right? You're coming in, uh, your name, they're looking. This is the start of a war. Uh, Belarus is completely on Putin's side. Belarus is, is uh, they explained to me, I, you know, I don't know that this is, this is true, but I'm telling you what, what people say is that Belarus literally means beautiful Russia or little Russia or something like that. And I don't, you know, it's part of the, uh, obviously it's part of the former Soviet Union and, um, and it has something to do with Russia, right? And they're very, very close um, in, uh, you know, in DNA and uh, in beliefs and whatever, but they, Belarus is sympathetic to Russia, no question about it. So what they were saying is you, if you go up there, I, I believe you're going to get arrested because it sounds like I'm saying somebody kill Putin. I wasn't saying that, right? I was saying I was being asked what ends the war. And I would um, I was saying, uh, you know, that I think it only ends with the death of Putin. But again, I, you know, I, by no means am I, uh, uh, you know, have an overinflated view of what I was doing over there or how much attention it would get. But their point is that they're going to look for me and they're going to look me up and they're probably going to, uh, before they either let me in or let me out or whatever, uh, they would listen to something. And if they found, now, by the way, there were dozens at that point, reports, and, and um, you know, I was trying to be, you know, down the middle on it. But when um, they pointed that out, and I talked to my wife about it. I said, all right, well, I'm not going into Belarus. Belarus is where I would have seen Russian tanks. I would have seen Russians, maybe talked to Russian soldiers. And uh, it just, uh, it, it wasn't worth it, as it turns out. Taking a quick break, we'll be back with the final segment of this installment of, of 2022 and review. Frank McKay signing off just for now. We'll be back with more Breaking It Down right after this. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome back for our final segment today of Breaking It Down. And we're talking about uh, 2022, the year in review, and what my focus has been all week and uh, will continue to be is the Ukraine and my coverage of of the war as it started uh, over there and my coverage started somewhere around March 6th you know somewhere along those lines the war started on the 24th of February and as we close out the last segment I uh, if you were, you were listening to the last segment uh, I was talked out of going home through Belarus I was going to uh, fly out of Minsk and fly home, fly to New York from from Minsk. And, you know, before I did, I would have, uh, you know, stayed around and tried to get uh, like a Russian perspective of what was going on or somebody that was sympathetic to Russia, which was nearly impossible to find anywhere else. I, I, I found a couple of people who, yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is kind of interesting, right? I, I found a couple of people who sounded like they were sympathetic and like this one woman from, I don't know where the hell she was from, but she was from neither 
Russia nor uh, the Ukraine, but she was, uh, and I have her on tape, I have her on video, um, and she says, I'm going, you know, and she was cursing, so I won't, you know, obviously I won't curse, uh, but she said, you know what, uh, F that, uh, you know, F Russia, F uh, the Ukraine, I don't give, you know, a whatever about either one of them, I care about uh, you know the people on both sides people that are getting killed the children and you know and she was kind of going that that route with her 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 statements but I could tell I could tell that she was uh, somewhat sympathetic and she was there for a humanitarian reason she was there volunteering in a uh, in, in, in the crossing in one of the border crossings can't remember where she was she's on tape but She's easy enough to find. She's cursing all uh, over, and she's trying to curse for dramatic effect, heavy accent, as as everyone did. Uh, but anyway, Belarus. Uh, just going back to that, the 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 polls that were um, that I was meeting over in that area by that train station were um, were uh, very much uh, anti Belarus, and and you know I know. You know, I, I know they, uh, they're having problems with all kinds of things, but there was a, um, there was a military action and a police action, a combination military and police action by the Polish authorities when I was there, and I chased the whole thing down, and, and I got to the bottom of, of what was going on. But, um, but I, man, you, you would have thought John Dillinger had escaped, and the way they were, they were scrambling. Um, Something happened by the uh, by the platform, and by the way, inside the station itself was a it was set up as a refugee center. I met these two folks from from uh, somewhere oh, North Dakota, I think they were, and they volunteered. Lovely people. I had them on on the show, and and you know maybe I'll replay their interview one of these uh, one of these days. But the uh, the two of them were, were just doing great things. Uh, they had no idea after. Uh, the whole chaos happened. What had happened? They just knew that there was some kind of police action. They were inside the uh, the uh, facility, inside the train station, and they were, um, you know, fe- uh, you know, it was like a soup kitchen, you know, makeshift uh, soup kitchen in there, and they were taking care of refugees and giving them little packets and, you know, to to get started and and advice on where you know directions and so forth. Them and you know a whole whole bunch of other volunteers. That being said. The on the platform by the tracks, there were there were three men from Belarus, and I didn't. I saw the aftermath of this. I saw them chasing down and trying to find one of them. They had arrested two of them, but the according to the polls, and again, I'm friendly with the <laughs> the polls. I'm still in touch with some of the the, the Polish um, soldiers that were kind of filling me on uh, in on this afterwards, and and even the the police office. Not that I'm friendly with them, but. Um, you know, certainly they were great to me and, and you know, very uh, protective and, and so forth. But um, apparently, this is what they said, this is their side of the argument, that the, the three men were uh, belligerent and that they, uh, they pushed over old ladies, like, uh, you know, like 90-year-old ladies. And by the way, uh, you know, as soon as they were saying it, I, I thought, like, why? Why would these guys just push over ninety-year-old ladies? It sounded like they were spinning, and I'm not laughing. You know, maybe who knows? Maybe that something like that that did happen. But they they made it sound as bad as it could possibly be. You know, these young men, young strong men, um, 
shoving down, uh, shoving down um, old grandmothers and whatever. So it, anyway, it was it was kind of a um, a spin, I thought. And they said, uh, and a, a couple of the men, a couple of the Polish men who were waiting online, uh, took exception, and they uh, they. Uh, you know, whatever. It, it sounds like there were a couple of Belarusians on there. Uh, the the Poles knew they were there. They got into an argument, and the you know the crowd just beat the crap out of these guys, and uh, and they took off. So I was following the uh, the cop cars. The cop cars were just speeding into this one direction, and I, I had, at this point I had no idea what was going on, but I um uh, I was on radio actually for part of this uh, live radio and uh and you know as i was chasing everybody's like well, what's going on and they just hear different sirens different style sirens too and and there were military sirens and everything going going nuts and then I, I got to the point and i couldn't get too close i got out of the car uh but i was told to get back in by guys i didn't know um get back in and to uh, to get out of there but i was trying to hang around as much as i could uh, but down this side street, and um, and that's where they caught. I think the the third guy that they were they were going to arrest. Anyway, but it it was at that point, and you know again, uh, the it, when I mentioned Belarus, they antenna I went up, and they were like, "Do not," you know. They first of all, they don't want me getting a perspective. May, and by the way, I'm sure they were very helpful. I'm sure they were absolutely very, they were trying to be very helpful and, and protective of me and not let me walk into a, a buzzsaw in in Belarus and, you know, possibly get arrested for that. But um, they really didn't want me to go up there. And, and I didn't. I didn't because I, you know, I'm, I got a family. I got a wife and kids, four kids. I, you know, I don't need to, um, you know, walk into something that I could possibly get arrested for. And, and anyway, but... Uh, the the tension between the Poles and the Belarusians, and uh, you know the residents of of Belarus were uh, was unbelievable, and and I knew it from you know from this, uh, and and actually a, a, a day or two later, uh, something else happened. A uh, an incident happened where they said a Belarusian was um, uh, was stealing. Uh, was stealing um, young girls' pocketbooks and he was uh, inappropriate and whatever. Uh, by the way, it's very possible that that he was, but uh, very hard to be, very very hard to just take that uh, as as fact when there's so much hatred there. And I'm on the you know on this. I'm sympathetic with the poles, of course. I didn't even know any Belarusians, but I mean, if they're sympathetic with Putin, you know, obviously, I think the the majority of us listening. Um, and and you know me talking here, you know have sympathy or empathy towards the the Ukrainians, but you know again this is why you, you know you have to you have to kind of be there to know what's going on and what's uh, what's transpiring. Uh, a lot, you know, a lot going on, a lot to absorb, and when you when you turn around and uh, and really look at at the reporting that we're getting. Uh, you know, all these considerations are in there. You know, I have biases, but I, I think I'm a little less biased on many things than, than most people reporting or commentating on, on things. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an independent. Right? I'm not uh, far right or far left, and I'm an independent. I have some 
you know, right-wing views. I have, uh, I have some more progressive views, maybe socially with certain things. But I don't, uh, you know, I don't have an axe to grind with, uh, with anything in particular. Um, you, know, to, you know, to say what I said about Putin on, on air is just me being honest. I mean, how does the war end? The war ends... The war ends with the death of Putin, right? I mean, it's uh, even now. I don't even know if I, if I don't even know if I know enough about the status, the current status of the war, to to say that's the only way that it ends. I mean, does does Putin back down? Does Putin? Does it end with? Does the war end with uh, uh, Ukrainians giving a, a piece of something over to Putin, and then uh, and then ending it there, and and Putin saves face and. I, I just don't know, to be honest with you. I, I just don't know. Uh, we'll get into that as we, we go along. But uh, we're, we're out of time here. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. And uh, just uh, wonderful um, to, uh, to, to t- talk to all of you about this, this experience. If you're expecting an interview, uh, you know, not at least for the next couple of days. Uh, and we'll be talking about this. This is our kind of uh, year in review this week. Frank McKay signing off. I've been talking about my trip to the Ukraine, covering the war as it started, and you know, of course, uh, thoughts and prayers are with the the folks that are in harm's way over there, especially uh, you know the young, vulnerable, and uh, women, um, elderly, everyone. I mean, let's face it. I mean, uh, you know, everyone who's in harm's way, and uh, thoughts and prayers are with the the refugees, the Ukrainian refugees for sure. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.